0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. Five one double five one is our text number. Joe at rt.ie is a simple email and oh eight one eight seven one five eight one five. Cormac, good afternoon. Hi Joe, how are you doing? Good. What happened? So I was out on Saturday, well Friday night, Saturday morning. I was coming home uh, from with some friends, had a few drinks, and I was walking on my own back to uh, the bus stop outside the Shelburne Hotel mm-hmm. uh, to get a, in, in a Dublin. Yeah, Stephen's Green. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to uh, UCD mm. and uh, I just missed my bus so I was just sitting on the bench just at the bus stop uh, waiting for the bus to come and it was, I just missed it so it was about, about mid-30, late 30 minutes to wait okay. and uh, this person, this girl approached me and she was like, are you going to UCD as well? Because uh, I'm a student as well and she, I was like, yeah and she was like, I've just uh, got an Uber uh, instead of waiting all that time do you want to just share the Uber back and I'll just drop you off Okay. And uh, I was like, yeah, no problem. I've been quite had quite a few drinks in, so I wasn't really uh, paying attention to like what you should and shouldn't do at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got in this car uh, and was in this car for what felt like less than five minutes. And uh, she uh, saw me put my code into my phone. Uh, I think she was either distracting me or I was just I just wasn't really paying attention. But my okay. phone's face ID, and you have to if it doesn't work, you have to put your code in. Yeah. And she saw me do that once or twice, and uh, all of a sudden the tax, well, the, whatever it was, the Uber uh, pulled over suddenly, and he was like, could you get into the front, Sean? Well, not Sean, he's just like, could you get into the front? And uh, I didn't really take much note of it. It seemed a bit suspicious, but once again, just wasn't really thinking straight. Opened the door, and uh, she snatched my phone and kicked me out. Um, and I kind of just, yeah, stumbled, fell on the ground, but it wasn't anything bad, but... They slammed the door and sped off, and it was a quick realization that uh, she had my phone, which was unlocked, and could have accessed my bank accounts or anything like that. So, uh, so this was a setup. It was a setup. Yeah, it was all completely uh, planned. Wow, and she was obviously very convincing. Uh, she was convincing enough, to be fair. I mean, she saw that I was clearly not uh, sharp or sober, like so. She thought mm-hmm. this could be the perfect one to like take advantage of. Anyway, yeah. And did you actually get into the taxi before she grabbed your phone? Or you were uh, no, so the I had process? my phone on me the whole time and yeah. she was speaking to her a bit. She said she was a student, I guess, took her word for it. Um, and yeah, just walked just to this like this car. It had no indication of it being an Uber or a taxi, which mm-hmm. is another red flag, but just didn't really pay much attention to it, I guess, which was very stupid to me. And I got into the back with her and was just talking to her and she saw my code and when she saw my codes I think she obviously had like some sign to leave the man in front time to pull over and and then the door was opened and your phone was grabbed so I opened the door while I was trying to get when I was about to get into the front and she just took it out of my hand and uh, yeah that was it and you say that um, you rang Vodafone what did they tell you so I raced home and uh, obviously the next day I went to Vodafone and uh I said, my phone's been stolen, um, it's, t- I, it's an iPhone XR, uh, can I like kill that SIM? And they did all that for me, and he was like saying, you're like the third person wow. this week that's happened to him. He said uh, his mate, it happened to his mate as well. And their intention is pretty much, uh, they'll like message as many people as they can, because they have your social media and stuff, and they'll try to ask for money as an, if, if, if it's like a, an emergency or something. 
and they were asking my friends for like 300 quid family and all this stuff and mm-hmm. yeah it was it was a bit madness well and they were doing that still like at like two o'clock the next day while i was still trying to get access into all my bank details and stuff just making sure everything's locked down so what's so your your warning to others is what like when you say Uber? I mean that I presume you mean free now. Do you? Well, whatever there's Uber, there's like there's Uber that wouldn't have any. Uh, like a taxi would be easy to notice. It has a big yellow bar on the top roof, and some cars, I mean like Uber and stuff like that, wouldn't have any of that stuff. They might have like a sign on the side of the door, but like I said, I didn't pay any attention. Mm-hmm. I say just have your wits about you. I mean like there is people still out there. It's obviously becoming more and more common. Um, for people to keep on robbing phones and stuff like that to get into access into accounts and stuff. So just have your wits about you and even just maybe just be with someone as well. Like just don't be on your own in these cer- uh, circumstances, I guess. But like we've another call here. We're, we're trying to contact the, the, the chap who called us but his phone, but, but they, they tried to get his Rolex watch. Yeah, no, it's, it's coming more and more common like for this robbery and stuff. I don't know what to say, to say like. Okay, another warning to people just to be. Uh, you, by the way, you're very you're very brave, Cormac, because you said yourself you had you had a few a few points in you or whatever. Um, but um, you're you're willing to tell the story to try and warn others. By the way, did they get any money off you given that she? Uh, no, they didn't. I contacted my bank and I was lucky because I did race home. I was fortunate enough once I realised that I'd been robbed. I hailed down a taxi, told them I just got robbed. I need you to drop me home. Mm-hmm. I got in contact with my bank to shut everything down. But I was actually even speaking to my bank today, and they were in my bank account, in my online bank account, and they were wow. sh- uh, shuffling money from my savings to my current and hopefully try to get my current into my revenue. So they were definitely trying to... They tried to take quite a lot of money, um, which when they told me like how much it was. But uh, luckily, it's, it's fine now. It's, it's, safe. Yeah. it's all locked down. By the way, was there any... Did she push or shove or... So it, was, it wasn't really a play. It was like a, it was a kick, but it wasn't a very violent kick. It was okay. just like I'm obviously halfway out the door, and she just wanted to make sure, grab the phone before I tried do anything. Kicks me in the back, and then yeah, I was on the ground, and then got up quickly, and then doors closed, and they were gone. So that was it. And did you report a comment to the guardy? I got the, the guardy. I was speaking to the guardy that night, so I actually got a taxi home, called my bank, and I had the guards in my house that night. So. There's an investigation going on anyway. Um, I gave them the phone's details, the IMEI and all that stuff. So they're definitely on it anyway. Okay, okay. Well, thanks thanks for that. Another warning to people, be extraordinarily be extraordinarily uh, careful. Oh, thanks, Cormac. Good to meet him all. Good. Joe thanks at RT.ie, Joe at RT.ie, 51551. Now, I mentioned earlier, I was reading over the weekend, there's uh, last week, January 30th, a commission, God knows we've had enough of them in Ireland, but a commission of inquiry in France uh, published um, a report on a man called Jean Vanier. Now, Jean Vanier was extraordinarily well-known here in Ireland in the 70s, 80s and 90s. He was a, a lay Catholic, a theologian, and he set up communities, including a number of them in Ireland, uh, in around Kilkenny and indeed Northern Ireland, communities where people with intellectual uh, disabilities would live with volunteers. For he had a vol- The volunteers were young people, 
um, maybe involved in uh, Catholic organisations who would give a year of their life to working in this community and had a, had a faith aspect of it. And I know Jean Vanier was almost like a saint in Ireland and he was a saint in other countries as well. Indeed, he was a saint up to the time he died because three days before he died in 2019, Pope Francis rang him and said, yeah, basically your service to the intellectually disabled uh, would stand to you on your journey to heaven or whatever. But now, shortly after he died, allegations, here we go again, allegations start emerging of Jean Vanier's sexual abuse of these young people who would go to work for a year, invariably women, by the way, to work for a year in these uh, communities. And the final report was published on January 30th. It didn't gar garner any coverage here in Ireland. I'm sure it will because um, it's pretty damning. It's pretty damning. Jean Vanier, uh, the living saint as he was known, was a serial abuser of young women. Um, now, the report is adamant he didn't. They've had no uh, allegations of any abuse of the people with intellectual, intellectual differences who were uh, in the community. But the pe people that were abused, including nuns, were young, were women who were uh, living in the community. Now, Parik O'Moran, formerly of the Irish Times, he's still writing the Irish Times, met Jean Vanier. Parik, good afternoon. Hello, Joe, how are you? Good. When, when, did, when did you meet Jean Vanier? I remember he was, um, he was yeah. uh, very, very big in Ireland in the 70s, 80s yeah. and 90s, wasn't he? He was, and it would have been during that time, um, it would probably have been in the 90s. Um, I, met, um, I met him in, um, in Kilkenny, and he, I attended, I attended an event where that was attended by a number of people who were, who who just to whom it was open. It was a kind of a semi-public event, mm -hmm. and um, he spoke at it. And then after that, you could get to talk to him for ten minutes uh, alone. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he had this kind of mystical, mystical sort of vibe, almost. I would say he had a fantastic reputation. Mm -hmm. um, many of the people at the event, I would say, would be vulnerable people or people with, um, say, people with alcohol and drug problems and so on. And um, so, so one person there told me that it, that you know a conversation with Jean Vanier was enough to turn your life around. Um, Okay. I went to see him. I went in for my 10 minutes, but I, I basically just asked various sort of, you know, the questions you ask when you're writing an article which which doesn't know anything about abuse or anything like that. Of course. Um, yeah. uh, so I don't really remember anything much about it. But people did. I mean, I think that went on for a couple of hours, just going in and talking to people, going in and talking to him for their 10 minutes. And then his, he had the um, almost a kind of a living saint vibe, mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. like. Yeah, yeah. He, he was very, he came across a very humble sort of person. So, he's in there in his room, sitting on his bed, uh, sounding very, seeming very humble, and maybe he, maybe he was some, some of the time, and um, uh, just talking about his work and about disability, and he um, had this sense, yeah, it was kind of a living saint type of sense almost, or mystical sense, I think mm -hmm. is the word that I would use, mystical sense. Um, as somebody who had created this worldwide organization which um, provided communities for people with disabilities and where people were, were and are, so far as I know, uh, respected and, um, you know, live in a way that, that respects with, with volunteers who respect them. 
And he got Not loads. Exactly. He got loads yeah. of. I'm just reading from the commission's report, as I say, which was published finally last week. Yeah. And they're just explaining to those who, who, like many of our listeners, who might never have heard of Jean Vanier, for decades in the institutions close to Larche. Larche is the French, obviously, for the Arc. Yeah. These were yeah. the communities. There's about 150 of these communities set up. Yeah. For decades in the in the institutions close to Larche and the media, Jean Vanier appeared as the living embodiment of the gospel, the secular star of Catholic renewal under the pontificate of John Paul II, a charisma of softness, peace, tenderness and charity, attention paid to handicapped people, eloquence that touches the hearts, the accompaniment of persons on their way to God and inner liberation, service to the poorest, the weakest, to outcasts. When Jean Vanier dies, his death is saluted with the abundance of praise throughout the world, giving the sentiment of a sanctification by the media. But then they go yeah. on, then they go on yeah. to talk yeah. about all the people who came forward after he died, uh, alleging, and this commission uh, believes them, because there's, there's, yeah. a, there's a, I'd say the commission is a documentary commission based on facts and witnesses, and uh, they say at, one, at any one time, uh, up to 25 women were being abused by him, which is... Yeah, it's astonishing. Is there it's any... astonishing. Like, is there any, um, and I'm sorry, I won't, I'm going to say, is there any Catholic institutions not been sullied at this stage from the Holy Ghost Fathers here in yeah. Black Rock and Rockwell or whatever to the various dioceses around the country? Now, um, Jean Vanier, his, his big mentor in Ireland was Bishop Peter Birch, wasn't it, in Kilkenny? Yes, yes. As so far as I know, his, 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 I'm not too well up on that side of it, but I know that his basic, his main, um, a community was near Kilkenny and uh, in Ireland, and so Kilkenny, yes, was a big part of of the Larch story in Ireland. And there's still yeah. there's still lots of Larch communities yeah. in Ireland that do great work and uh, all that. Yeah. And what you hear, but, they're in Kilmagany and Callum. Um, yeah. That's how I came across them initially. But what you hear still is that the communities are very good. They're but, very uh, good, and 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 uh, people who had anything to do with them, even in terms of people reporting on them at the time, back at back in the day, uh, mm. were very, very impressed. And I'm, I mean, I'm still impressed by what the communities provide to those living in them. I'm just amazed and shocked, well, not shocked, but disappointed, as the mm. volunteers in the communities are by what Vanier was doing. But um, I think that there is... There is a kind of, this kind of story has arisen in other areas as well, and I don't, I'm not talking about Catholic areas necessarily, mm. but in the areas to do with meditation, even Buddhist areas, um, mm. and to do with gurus and people like Cults, that, yeah, yeah. it does come out every now and then that there is a manipulation going on of mostly young women. Um, so it's not illegal stuff, mm. but it's, mani- it's manipulation because they're up there in a pedestal and it's easy to manipulate people from that uh, position. So this is not me sort of trying to uh, turn this away from the Catholic Church. I'm just saying that when it comes to people that we we look up to in that way, you've got to remember that that um, we have to remember that it's, it's only part of the story. Yeah. And it's so easy to forget. And I, I forgot it, I mean, when I was, I'm as cynical as anybody else, but I, I forgot it when I was, when I was writing about about the, the, the communities and reporting in him. Mm. Um, and it's worth, is, in fairness, yeah. it's worth pointing out that Jean Vanier wasn't a priest. He was thinking of, no. he was a theologian and he he was a, a, a lay Catholic, but the, the ethos of L'Arche 
was uh, it was a faith community as well it was based uh, there was now it wasn't sectarian in that sense if you presume yeah. if you didn't have faith but i think faith was a a prerequisite for living in the community and there would be shared communal uh service and and uh, uh activities through the mass or the eucharist or whatever um but yeah. how how do people reconcile the fact that someone who they regarded up to relatively recently, 2019, as a living saint is now, we won't, we won't stick on that continuum, but is, um, is now a very, very, is a criminal basically. And lots of women were very, very badly damaged by him. The women were yeah. invariably much younger. They weren't children, but they were invariably yeah. much younger. Now, in fairness, some of the women yeah. said they entered into a sexual relationship with him um, uh, consensually but others said there was a coercive relationship he was Jean Vanier the living saint he was asking them to come to his room after half ten at night uh, for mystical spiritual guidance or whatever and that's when the abuse would take place it yeah. then transpired that he was inspired by another uh, a Dominican priest um, and he he, um, he was a, an abuser as well but the, yeah. the allegation made about Jean Vanier, which is upheld in this commission, is that Jean Vanier, when, when he was asked, did you know um, that, that, the, um, that um, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Philippe, um, what his mentors, Dominican mentors, so to speak, was also an abuser, also the same MO, come to my room at night, half ten yeah. for individual spiritual uh, guidance. And, but he, he was actually caught. And Jean yeah. Vanier, while he was alive, said he knew nothing about this. But they found the commission, as I say, is published in January 2023, um, last week. The commission found letters to show that Jean Vanier did know that uh, Thomas, Thomas Dominique was, yeah. um, was an abuser. Was an abuser. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I, yeah. I just think that, I think that um, it's kind of almost... Reconciling the two things is 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 almost impossible, yeah. and I would imagine that many people who were admirers of his feel almost a sense of bereavement yeah. at yeah. Uh, discovering that he was so different. Um, there is the, the, the uh, it's part of human nature that we sometimes see people as all good or all bad, um, and it's just part of the psychology built into us, and we sort of forget that people are good and bad. Mm. Um, these are the value judgments, of course, but but there there's the side that's good and there's the side that's that's not that wouldn't be so admirable. Um, we forget that, and if we forget that, and if we've bought into the all good thing, we're easier to manipulate. And that is, and the thing is, if you're in a position like like his or like that of his mentor or some of these gurus I'm talking about, mm. it is your responsibility to know that and not to be manipulating people. You know, I mean, the half ten at night thing, you know. I mean, it's pure manipulation. Um, so, so I think that is that is is a thing that almost almost to be careful of, be careful of too easily having having heroes who can do no wrong. But um, that does not put mm. any blame whatsoever on the shoulders of those who are manipulated. Now, there's yeah. no one of the, there's a couple of differences one he wasn't a priest two he was married yeah. three there's yeah. no as far as I can find out it's a long like our own commission report um, it's a long long uh, report 
but there's no allegation that he committed criminal offences, i.e. with, yeah. with underage, whereas, yeah. for example, in the recent, and indeed ongoing, because we're still getting calls about it, the uh, Holy the Holy Ghost Fathers and Black Rock and Rockwell, yeah. and um, they, they were criminal offences, clearly. They were, yeah. they were pedophilic. They yeah. were uh, uh, attacks, on, yeah. attacks on children. Um, yeah. But... I still, I'd, I'd like to hear from other people who've met Jean Vanier and how do you reconcile, how, or if one can, how do you reconcile this uh, living saint with the fact that he was abusing women, left, right and centre? Ruth Walsh. Ruth, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. You, you met him as well? Well, now, no, I okay. wouldn't say met. Okay. I was at a conference. Okay. <laughs> and I made some contribution, and I'm very sorry, I cannot remember what the contribution was. Yeah. But he was in a row ahead of me. He turned around and he flashed me a charismatic, engaging smile. And my immediate reaction was shut down that this man was was um, was trying to dazzle me with his smile. Now he didn't approach me afterwards or anything, but I had an immediate dislike of him. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you what it was about. Yeah. It was just purely intuitive. And I would have been maybe a little bit older than those 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 mm. women, um, but I would be the same type of kind of in my twenties, very ideological and that. I mean, I've been to Tese, which was fantastic. Yeah, that's, that was it, a, yeah. Uh, I was there several times. No priest ever attempted to charm me, and I think in Ireland we just have a slight kind of maybe this is a bit of a generalization, just a slight tendency to placing people on pedestals, you know. Mm. Oh, isn't he a living saint? Oh, isn't he a but walking saint? R- 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 it wasn't just Ireland. No, that's true. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, but we are, we, you know, we are quite good. You know, the French are quite cynical. Um, you know, I'm sure there were thousands of people in France with the slightest interest in Jean Vanier. Mm. But in Ireland, um, it was maybe... A, 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 a kind of a what's the word a side thing of having um, you know the the Catholicism more active because when I went to France and I discovered like a very cynical France with regards to church and state you know and so I'm sure there were very idealistic young French girls but the whole of French society didn't operate that way you know there was more of a division. Whereas in Ireland, we tended to be, you know, kind of very ideological about people get very, you know, thing about bishops and archbishops and, you know, oh, well, now mm-hmm. the church says. And somewhere or other, I think he probably manipulated some of that. Now, as we say, and we've heard, none of the people that were affected, so that's good. No, no, they were, no, 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 resi- no, sorry, sorry. The residents of it. Yeah. No, no, well, none, none of the, the residents, but That's what I meant a significant number of the women said they were very, very badly yeah. damaged psychologically oh, yeah, sorry. by, by this. this yeah, the, yeah. Sorry, I know, but just just to clarify, it's a 900 page yeah. report, as it was only published the other day. Oh, yeah. And oh. um, but they say we are we are appalled. And once again, this is the Larsh organization. Now, we've heard this before, and, and Larsh have been uh, praised for their reaction, as indeed. I'm sure the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit or the Spiritans are being praised for the reaction, even though a lot of people were highly critical of this restorative justice uh, frame they tried to put on it. But they say we are appalled 
This is the large committee. And we once again condemn without reservation the actions of Jean Vanier and Thomas Philippe, which are in total contradiction with the elementary rules of respect and integrity of persons, contrary to the contrary to the fundamental principles of our communities. We sincerely ask for forgiveness from the people who were victims of abuse. We again express our gratitude to those who broke their silence about Father Thomas Philippe and about Jean Vanier and thus helped uh, others to free themselves from an intolerable, intolerable uh, burden. Um, were, were you surprised? Were you aware, Ruth, in the last couple of years that he had been his I reputation, yeah, okay. Mm, I was, but I didn't know the details, but I knew that it had come out. No, I, what I was really trying to say is that it, when I was in Tese, you know, yeah. they took, like, Sermon on the Mount, and they, you know, examined it intellectually, and I remember it actually nearly blew my my brain in terms of the fact that they were translating, you know, to, to all the different languages, so it was like being in the Torah mm-hmm. table. But at no time did I get a sense in it that I was you know, being subjected to a kind of a culture or an ideology. It was simply, look at the words here and what do they mean? And I had no sense of a central guru figure who was Mm. leading this. And, you know... But he was. I I remember. But he was. I I remember his name being bandied about and... I was a no, I was contrasting it with, yeah. with Taze. The Taze yeah. didn't okay. have this cult yeah. of the individual. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm only saying, that you were there and, you know, it was a period for you to reflect. And the other thing in Taze was, you know, you've been here long enough, no time for you to go. And they, they'd call in people and say, you, you know, we think you've spent enough time here and you're, you're gone. And mm-hmm. I'm only just saying... Yeah. That the difference is that she, that this man and this community were sucking these young vulnerable women in to to yeah. you know that ten minutes with with me on your own aren't you so privileged you know that kind oh, God, of, yeah. that's what I'm just thinking you know it sounds like that this is a big deal to come up and talk to me about your spiritual struggles you know uh, you know and well that was what they they were going to talk about, yeah, you, yeah. Know, um, you know, you know, so, you no, know, I feel a lot of sympathy for those women. That were, yeah. Then on the other hand, we have, you said, well, the, the, the movement, Larsh, apparently is, um, it's in 150, there's 157 locations, I think there's about four, um, four who were, um, who it's were, like four places Kenny, in our, two yeah. in Kilkenny, Callan and Kilmagani, oh, yeah. I think, have been okay. in, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and to their credit, they're still there. Cahill Crow yeah. TD has contacted us. Cahill, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Um, your connection with Jean Vanier? Well, I'm glad to say I don't have one with him, yeah. but, but my story is that I'm a TD at the moment, but I yeah, was a primary that. school teacher up until yeah. uh, February 2020, so I'm on career break from school. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I, like many, many teachers around Ireland, would have taught uh, confirmation classes, and in our textbook every year, there was a guy called Jean Vanier. Now, ah. I wouldn't be the most devout of people. I wouldn't have known of this guy but for the textbook. I won't name the textbook on air, but you can't blame the publishers, you can't blame the teachers, Mm -hmm. but certainly in many, many classrooms, we would have um, read out this story about um, a lovely, pious, gentle man. Um, And I'm just shocked what I'm hearing on air because we would have put him out there uh, to the children of Ireland as some kind of a a guy just as good as Mother Teresa, a, a, a walking saint, really. And he's written a significant number of books. Are you saying his books are on the the curriculum? No, not not one of his books per se, but um, 
when we're teaching religion, there would be certain textbooks that, that would be recommended in school. Um, this would come, it'd be part of the syllabus, basically, and preparing for confirmation, mm-hmm. we would every year teach children about John Vanier in the same vein as Mother Teresa and people. Essentially, how we used the subject used to come about was uh, preparing them for confirmation, we would be talking about the role of the Holy Spirit and helping people in the community, etc., etc. And John Vanier was put up as an example of what living um, mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of good living life was and um, it's just it's so incongruent with what we were teaching what I'm hearing now on the radio I'm shocked and disgusted with what I'm hearing really and then as I say this 900 page report which was published in the last few days um, goes into inc- it's it's it's, a, it's a, that's like our own rhyme report or whatever the Ferns report the Morphy report into the Dublin Diocese goes into a uh, Incredible research in terms of, um, for example, they say the persons caught in abusive or not being caught, who were, um, I'm going in the middle of a paragraph, and the word embroiled is probably more, but the person embroiled in abusive or transgressive relation with Jean Vanier were all adult women without disabilities, Christians, mostly Catholics, with high cultural resources. Half of them came from privileged social backgrounds. At the time when the first mystical sexual acts were committed, all of the women were young adults, 20 to 35 years old, single, married, or having taken religious uh, vows. And this other abuser, Tomas Philippe, um, this is a worrying, another worrying thing. They say, in at least one case brought to the attention of the Commission, situations of sexual abuse with Jean Vanier were prolonged by a sexual assault by Thomas Philippe. So the two of them were abusing the same woman at one, at one particular time, which is pretty pretty sick to say the yeah, least yes it's it's absolutely disgusting joe and it's it's the entire opposite to how he was represented in this book and how we would have taught so many children throughout the country about him again how were teachers to know how were publishers to know but certainly now that this details out, i don't know if this has been you i was using this book up till 2020 if it's still in classrooms i think it needs to be urgently withdrawn from the confirmation syllabus because um you know it's 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 a, it's quite a positive half an hour when you do a religion class. Um, I know this, it's a whole different debate as to should it be in schools or not. But generally, it's a time of the day where you put down the the books and the pencils. You get to relax the mind a little bit. And I, I just don't think we should be. If it's still in that book and if it's still being used, I think it's time mm. to withdraw that book. Okay, and there are a number of books here in Ireland where. Um where Jean Vanier has contributed essays, I'm told. Um, uh, Kieran McGrath. Kieran was a social worker Martin here in Ireland, is now based in Space Spain. Hey, Kieran. Um, did you meet Jean Vanier? Because he was big in the 70s and 80s here, wasn't he? I did meet him, Joe. Uh, I met him in uh, Kilkenny when I was working there. Okay. I, I did retreats with him. Okay. He was the most inspiring and charismatic man. Um, everybody on the, the retreats were. People who wanted to meet him, they wanted okay. to talk to him. I spoke to him privately, okay. um, as so many other people did, because that would be part of the treat for to say, well, Jean would be available just to meet people privately. Okay. Um, he his books are wonderful. Um, the work he has done mm-hmm. for Larche and inspiring the Campiel communities and all of that, they are they were fantastic work. And if you talk to the parents of children and young people. Uh, who they're they're so delighted to have services like that. That's not in any way 
to take away from what he has done, which was, I would say, rather than use the word sexual abuse, I would say sexual exploitation, because they were all adults. Mm -hmm. They were all people without learning disabilities. They were all vulnerable people who were looking for something in life. And so they looked Mm -hmm. to him. um, And I would see him in the same way that rock stars and, you know, sports stars draw people to them, but also that gives them power to exploit others who might do so willingly, but afterwards really see it in a different light than they did at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one thing I would say is I I think it would be a terrible shame if the wonderful work that he did is Mm -hmm. diminished or tarnished by this. I mean, everybody has light and shade Clearly, he had too, but I can tell you, having met him, mm. he was a most inspiring and charismatic person, and um, he has done immense good in the world. Um, but obviously, I was, like everybody else, shocked and disappointed to, read, to hear about this, this commission, which the re- initial reports of this came out about two years ago. Um, well, this, so this, this full commission, say, this full commission, which which I ask you to read because they do, they do. Mm. If you have, they do use the word abuse a lot. They do. Well, use maybe they, maybe relation. they do. I mean, well, is no, it in English or French? Not, Joe? It's in, it's in English. It you can get it. It's okay. primarily in French, but you can get it in English, which I was reading. Well, you get. No, it's not. Um, maybe it's not. Maybe they do use the word abusive. They Kieran. do, they do use the, the word abusive. Okay. And, well, and and the well, women maybe. involved were much younger than him. And he was he was going around the place uh, saying, uh, encouraging people to, to take a vow of celibacy in the community, and he was abusing them at night time. Give us a break. Oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not Give taking away break. from any of that. I'm not taking away from any of that. Um, and I mean, maybe I'm into semantics by calling it exploitation mm-hmm. rather than abuse. But normally, when you talk about abuse, you're talking about people who are not consenting to what's going on, and these people clearly were, but they were nonetheless exploited. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, argue about that point at all. Um, all I would say is, this man did they immense were, good. They were groomed, Kieran. They were groomed. Twenty-five-year-olds yes, were you groomed can, you, by this you man. You can certainly say, you can certainly say yeah. that. Yes, yeah. But um, uh, all, I, all I would, well, then how all do you, I would well, say. Well, then I'll come back to no, I, and I take a point. But I come back to this question I asked earlier. I don't know if there is an answer to it, Kieran. How does, how do you? Uh, reconcile the image of this man as a living saint with when when you go into this 900 page report he was grooming women on young women 50 60 years younger than him he was going around which rock stars don't he was going around during the day encouraging people to to take a vow of celibacy to give themselves to a greater good um I've never heard Keith Wood or any of them say that, but, but and you, so he wasn't a rock star in that sense. But he was going around living, saying one thing and doing another. Well, uh, obviously that's hypocritical and and deeply shows a deep flaw within him. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not in any way trying to um, yeah, I know, minimize that. Yeah. I mean, minimize that. I'm just saying that there are people who are capable of doing a great deal of good, and also they can do a great deal of harm. And yeah. uh, and in this particular case, he has done tremendous amount of work. He has clearly also done a great deal of harm. And uh, the two things can, it's. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't want to get into a situation where you're either all good or mm. all bad, because that dichotomy doesn't doesn't exist. Um, and therefore, the fact is that people can do 
can be do fantastic work, but also unfortunately can do harm. And precisely because they are so charismatic, vulnerable people are drawn to them, and that's then is the power mm-hmm. that they have to exploit. So why he was he wasn't a priest. He didn't take a vow of celibacy. He was married at one stage, and I presume he was married while this was happening. Why didn't? Why? Why the hypocrisy? Why the secrecy? Then, if he wasn't doing, if he, if in his own eyes, uh, he wasn't doing anything wrong. By the way, he was invoking the gospel and mystical relationships between Jesus and Mary and Joseph and whatever to justify the sexual interference. Yeah. But why? So why the hypocrisy? Why didn't he just keep his mouth yeah. shut about celibacy? Well, he's not alone in that. I mean, there are many priests mm. who exploited relationships with vulnerable women and didn't, uh, they weren't abusing children and so on, but mm. they were exploiting relationships and emotional vulnerability in people. And at the same time, they would be giving, I mean, we have our Bishop Casey and our Michael Cleary's as two examples. Um, so it's, it's, in, mm. it's in, the same, in the same vein as that, I think. Okay. Uh, stay with us, Kieran. Kathy Fowles. Kathy, good afternoon. We're talking about Jean Vanier, who was a a living saint. He was described in this country and indeed abroad. And he had he set up a, a, his organisation called L'Arche. It was set up in the nineteen sixties. Uh, L'Arche meaning Ark in as in as in the gospel. Um, and these were communities where people with intellect intellectual disability would live and share the community with, with volunteers. And the volunteers were invariably, I presume there was young men as well, who came from countries like Ireland and it transpired. He died, he died in 2019. He died on a pedestal uh, in, the, in the eyes of the Catholic Church and then it emerged there was allegations and a commission was set up, um, a high-power commission in France, which was, by the way, regarded as impartial and fairness to when you read the background to it. They just published a 900-page report saying that this man, uh, Jean Vanier, was a serial abuser of uh, young women, women much younger than him, who he groomed and he used uh, the gospel or his interpretation and along with this other uh, other priest, the Dominican priest, Thomas Philippe, who was his mentor, uh, he used this to uh, abuse women on a, a, a nightly basis, apparently. Cathy, uh, did you know Jean Vanier? Yes, uh, Joe. Okay. I I went as a young woman to L'Arche back in the 1970s. I'd, okay. been, te- I'd been a teacher and I was just looking for uh, a more meaningful life, uh, something that made sense. Uh, I was a person of faith, and so mm. um, I heard about L'Arche, and I yeah. went to L'Arche in Scotland in the 1970s. Okay. I was there um, I was there two years in Scotland, and I met my husband there, who was another volunteer. Okay. Um, he was Canadian, he's Canadian, and um, yeah, so L'Arche actually changed my life in okay. many ways. So when we got married, we yeah. came back to Cork and gathered a group around us. Well, there were a group already in Cork at that stage okay. that were considering starting L'Arche. So we were part of that group and we were part of the yeah, group who set up the community here in Cork, okay. the Lar- which would have been the second L'Arche community in Ireland in 1985. We uh, were part of setting it up. Now, I continued teaching and we were, you know, supporting the community. 
But eventually the two of us were working in the community on salary. I, I left my teaching job in the 1990s. But okay. meantime, we had spent two years in L'Arche in Canada. So we've had considerable yeah, experience. Okay. And I only retired from L'Arche there in um, 2015. But we continued to be very much yeah. members of the community. And um, until the pandemic, really, first the pandemic mm-hmm. hit, and then the first report from Jean Vanier. So um, we are devastated. Yeah. But I was devastated two years ago when the first report came yeah. out uh, and we had heard about uh, Père Thomas, Thomas Philippe. Mm-hmm. And um, he was, Jean Vanier was asked at the time, did he know anything about Père Thomas and his abuse and so on. And mm. Jean said, no, he didn't. And, um, yeah, that he knew nothing about it, but he always talked about Père Thomas as his uh, spiritual father. So, like, I met Jean Vanier many, many times over the okay. years. We were part of the group that organised a retreat here in Cork mm. back in the 1980s prior to us. Um, no, it wasn't a retreat, it was a public talk okay. in the, the Dominican Church here in Cork. And that inspired a lot of people and helped us in our setting up of the community. Mm. And then subsequently, we hosted him, I think, twice in Maynooth. Maynooth was just the venue for it. But the okay. last time, which would have been in the 70s, we had 300 people on that retreat. I was part of the team facilitating okay. it. I was on retreats with Jean Vanier many times. And, um, yeah, as recently, even as 2016, I was part of a team facilitating one of his retreats in Trolley. Now, I could never say I knew Jean Vanier, Mm -hmm. because even though I met him many, many times, but because I think at the end of the day, none of us knew him. But he was hugely inspiring. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of soul searching going on now. He opened up the scriptures to us. Um, mm-hmm. you know, introduced us to the person of Jesus and it, it really came alive in a huge way for us all. So, yeah, we could never have imagined this. Like, yeah. the abuse happened in Trolley in France. I don't speak French, so I was, you know, I never went to that community. In fact, okay. it was the reason I went to Scotland because I couldn't go to France because I didn't have French. So fortunately, I was never... Uh, close to him in the sense of, yes, like some of your other speakers said, I would have spent, you know, 10 minutes talking to him, but that was very brief. Um, We never, never could have imagined this. And now, like, I'm spending my days, uh, like, going back over all the times I met him and hearing him speaking and trying to, you know, think that this guy, I mean, I I, I just deeply disturbed by it, deeply hurt by it, hurt by it. He was a liar, ultimately, right to the end, because he was approached with Mm -hmm. some of this abuse before he died. I think maybe the first woman or something. And he said, yes, he had a sexual relationship with her, but he believed it was consensual. So, you know, these things can happen. But um, the truth is, is... like it's as far away from that as we can imagine. And but I like I want to say at the same time yeah. that you know people use words like he did so much work, so much good, good work. Yeah. I would say he inspired us 
but it is the people who founded the communities and lived in the communities and all the volunteers. They're the people who did the good work. And like at the okay. centre of L'Arche is the relationship between the volunteer or the mm-hmm. person maybe working. The transformative relationship between me and the person with a okay. disability. And like I still count among my close friends people with disabilities and they have yeah. changed my life. When we got married, we invited the large community from Inverness to our wedding. And I have no regrets. Yeah. about my years in large. Okay. Hugely I want, transformative. Cathy, I want to ask you uh, to go back and ask and ask you what force attracted you, but I'll, I'll ask that question after too large after the break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. We're talking about this report published in France in the last few days. It's a commission of inquiry into the activities of a a man called Jean Vanier, well well known um, well known um, uh, in Ireland, charismatic, a living saint, founded Lash communities, and also Thomas Philippe. And reading through the Thomas Philippe was a Dominican priest. Jean Vanier wasn't a priest. In fact, he was married, hadn't taken a vow of celibacy as such. Uh, but um, the um, inquiry is called Control and Abuse and Investigation on Thomas Philippe and Jean Vanier and Lash. And it looks like a reading to the report. Thomas Philippe comes out much worse than Jean Vanier, if that's, that's even a, a coherent way of comparing uh, the abuse uh, perpetrated by the two men. Uh, Cathy, well, what attracted you to Lash? Just bring us back to that time in Ireland where a lot of people were interested. Can I just clarify one point yeah, there? Yeah, of course so, can, please, yeah. Uh, Jean, Jean Vanier wasn't married. He was never married. Oh, he was never married. Okay. No, Sorry, he was I... what they called a celibataire in France. So he, yeah. Okay. In, yeah, in French. Um, because, well, he ad- is, because he admits in one part, now I can't, I forgot the name, I didn't print it out, but he admits in one part of the report that he had an ongoing sexual relationship with one named woman. Yeah, that was the person that that had come forward as having yeah. said she was abused. Oh, okay. And he said, yes, he had a sexual relationship with her, but he believed it was consensual. Mm-hmm. So that was his explanation of that. And as I say, okay. you know, maybe many men could say they had that. But anyway, he was never married. No, okay. he was celibate. Yeah. Okay. So what attracted me to it, it was back in the 1970s. I was in university and... Um, my brother was just ordained a priest, and so we were a family of faith. But eight weeks after my brother was ordained, he was killed in an accident. Oh, my God. Uh, while mountain climbing in Germany. I only mm. say that because that changed my life. And okay. I started searching for something that was meaningful, you know. Yeah. In fact, I'd say in college, like, I was wondering, you know, did I have any faith? But somehow when Dominic died, I just, my faith was strengthened through that. And I was searching for something meaningful. And I met somebody who was in L'Arche in France and uh, everything she said. And I can't remember what she said, but I just thought, oh, I want some of that. Now, I wasn't attracted because of people with disabilities, Mm -hmm. particularly, but it was because it was people living in community. And it is considered, L'Arche is considered a faith community in the sense that it's in inspired by the Christian Gospels, but it's not a Catholic organization, and it's not uh, uh, specifically a Christian organization, though it is inspired by the Christian Gospels, because the second, like the first large community, 
was in Catholic France. The second large community was founded by a couple who were Anglican in Canada. And okay. the third large community was founded in India, which was Hindu, Muslim, Christian, okay. you know, mixed together. So, But it is inspired by the Christian Gospels, specifically the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in the yeah, third yeah. and so on, yes. Yeah. And then, then uh, you, you, as you say, you met your husband, and people came from all. Well, there's about 160 of the the locations, but people came from all over the world. Literally from all over. And the world. And were they all young? Were they young people, Kathy? Well, I was the what's called the assistance coordinator in Larch Cork for over 16 years, okay. and so I was responsible for recruiting and forming all these volunteers, and they literally came from you know. Chile, Mexico, mm. all over Europe, obviously, India, everywhere. And it was the, like, it was the gift, uh, difference was seen as a gift and is still seen as the gift. And so we were different in, um, in uh, you know, mm. ethnicity, in religion, some with no religion at all. But also you asked, was it all young people? It was about 90% young people. People typically after either high school or yeah. after university. But we did have people who were in their 40s and 50s that volunteered. And, you know, but they would be assessed beforehand. I'd have long interviews with them on the phone and so on. And if possible, they'd come to visit the community maybe for a day or a week mm. or something. And so we'd make sure that these were people who were open to people with disabilities who were willing to live alongside them, but also who were open to difference and willing to have their, you know, their ideas and their prejudices challenged and so on. So it was a hugely transformative experience. Like, it it formed me, it formed my husband. Our mm. four children have spent time in large communities okay. and were hugely changed by it. So this is devastating, not just for me, but for my husband and our whole yeah. family. Um, yeah, I like I can recall one time when my daughter, as a, a young adult, she was probably in her 20s, went on a retreat for young people with Sean Vanier in Trolley in France. And she told me this afterwards. I think it was the time of the last report. She said that, you know, they were at, he prided himself on being able to talk to young people. But she asked him some question. I think it might have been about women in the church. I'm not sure what it was. But she said that when he um, gave his answer, that she just realized he was just one other old man giving his opinion. And she wasn't a bit inspired by it. Okay. So what has inspired us is not maybe mm -hmm. partly Jean Vanier, but it has been living with people who have disabilities. And, and that's transformative. And we still have people with disabilities that we meet for coffee, come to our house, yeah. come to our birthday celebrations, and we to theirs and so on. So that's what's tra transformative about Larch. It isn't Jean Vanier. But those of us who knew him and you know, kind of worked alongside him. We are devastated. There is no reconciling this. This is beyond anything we could have imagined. And you, you, you quoted the report there that 
Peritoma was somehow worse than Jean Vanier. I'm not sure that there was. Okay, Peritoma's father, Thomas Philippe. But the report, um, Jean Vanier and Father Thomas from the report had their little secret group in Trolley. During the foundation of Arche, the little group continued meeting in secret. The report says that Larche to Jean Vanier and Père Thomas, Father Thomas, caused some women to be involved in the mixture of authority, guidance and sex. These women were not members with a disability, also called core members. Uh, These relationships made some of them suffer a lot. Um, the report says Larsh ha- was not able to stop the suffering caused by these secrets, but obviously deep, re- deeply regrets, and they believe Larsh is a good place to live, which you do, Cathy. Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely. And it continues today, and lives continue to be transformed. And how is it funded? Where does the money come from, Cathy? Well, you know, it depends on what country it's in. So when we started off in Cork, we were fundraising for it. Okay. And... Then, then through dealings with the um, well, the Southern Health Board, as it was, I suppose, the HSE now, that you get yourself recognised as a place that offers a service of care to people with disabilities. Okay. And so there is then um, funding comes through that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. an expert on that side of it. No, I know. I know the on their website now they say funded by the HSE, yeah. inspected yeah, by HICWA. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And all yeah. the, the Say, say, say mm. with us, Cathy, please. Uh, Grania. Gran, you, you met Jean Vanier as well? Yes, uh, I met him actually uh, following a Pentecost novena, or not novena, but a retreat with John Paul, where there were 250,000 or so other wow. people uh, wow. uh, present. And walking back from the last day of the, uh, or it might have been the Saturday actually, of the, mm-hmm. of the, uh, the three-day weekend with John Paul out on the piazza, I saw him sitting uh, on the wall of the Vatican, and mm. I recognized him right away. No, I hadn't heard him speaking, but uh, so I went up to him and just sat down beside him, and uh, and just I forget to say a few uh, so, uh, greetings and so forth. Then I asked him, "What do the uh, disabled have to tell us?" Just, that was my question to him. I wanted to get something, some okay. insight. And he said two things that I have remembered, mm-hmm. and uh, this was his opinion that uh, he said, if you draw near to them, that meaning the disabled and uh, challenged, mentally challenged mm-hmm. people, they will heal you. They if will, you draw they, near to them, they will heal you. They will heal and, you. And the second thing he said yeah. was, they will bring about the unity of the church. So that's, I wanted to make that contribution today mm-hmm. because these people and these disabled, as your uh, previous caller was saying, they, they are bringing... Uh, transformation to people's lives. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important to realize that while we have this terrible situation, it's absolutely shocking. You would have no idea that uh, this person was even uh, involved in something like this. But it's the, the people who, the, com- the communities, the large communities around the world, and mm-hmm. I think these have to be protected from, even from what's all the, uh, the media and public and so forth, because these are Helping young people, so or people of all ages, actually with with mental disease and yeah. uh, disabilities. But that was the two things, and that was a very brief conversation. But I do remember it. Uh, if you draw near to them, they will heal you, yeah. and they will be they will unify the church. Was that uh, putting a, that's putting a terrible burden on? 
Yeah, the report is, I haven't read the report, and I probably won't, it's, but it's the whole revelation that came out earlier. It's shocking that someone like that was... Uh, and how do you, how do you, uh, but insofar as anyone can, Grania, how do you, if you regard Jean Vanier, I don't know if you do or not, a lot of people do, as a living saint, how do you reconcile this rank oh, hypocrisy? I don't and a living saint now. No, no, I'm saying, if, if one, but, if one, how do you reconcile this with his rank well, hypocrisy? Well, I didn't think of him as a living saint, but he, he, he was certainly seemed to be a person who had... Uh, an inspired idea, and he went with it, and uh, mm. bore a lot of fruit uh, and uh, success, and so forth. But the, the the dark background behind this was obviously no, nobody knew this except the people involved. Yeah. But I mean, it was impossible to. So to, does it? To but so, but uh, does it put a different colour? Um, when he said to you, sitting in the piazza in in, in the Vatican Vatican City in Saint Peter, that he he said to you, what draw draw near the the those with intellectual disabilities. So when he said to me, I asked and, him the and question, they, what do they tell us? What do they yeah. what do the people people from the communities or the large communities are they disabled teach us? Because that was one of the themes in the, in the conference. And he said, if you draw near to them, they will heal you. Heal you from what? Well, you know, we all need healing of some kind. If you draw near to them, they will heal you. And they will be, uh, they will unify the church. Now, that might be something that he really held as real in his life. That might be the one thing that was real in his life. That he saw these communities in a very special way. Okay. Even though he himself was living a, a very evil life. You know? Okay, let me bring Linda. Thanks, Ronnie. Linda, your point, please, Linda. I, I'm ringing because of the point that um, your previous gentleman caller, Kieran, made. Mm-hmm. He found it very, because of his experience with Jean Vanier, he found it very hard to accept what you were telling him has happened. Now, his, one of his points, which I think was absolutely disapproving of his argument in itself, was that these girls were not children, they were adults, and that they should know, they should have understood what they were doing, what was going on. I reckon that Kieran too, Kieran too is an adult, and he still doesn't believe that he could do things like that. So why on earth were these girls who looked up to him, who they saw him as a really as a do-gooder, why, why should they distrust him, or why, you know, they would be admiring this man, so then they must have been um, wide open to abuse. So I don't understand why he doesn't understand that. Kieran, do you want to come back on that? Yeah, yes. Um, well, quite the opposite of what Linda has just said. I perfectly understand why these things can happen. I mean, I'm somebody, as a social worker, I specialise in the area of sexual abuse and sexual exploitation, and I know full well how it, how it happens. And mm-hmm. I, it, it, it's not that I don't accept that these things can happen. Quite the opposite. Um, and I said... People who are very, you know, inspiring and charismatic have a power that they can misuse and use to hurt others. And that's exactly what I said about what's happened here. So, Linda, I think you misunderstood my point completely. I certainly didn't hear you saying saying that. I understood that you um, found it very hard to believe that. As a matter of fact, you actually questioned Joe when he said this is not what what has been said. It is actually... In the report, it is not just a rumor. 
no, 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 no. We, we had a, we had a, we had a slight disagreement over the word abuse and exploitation, but the word abuse is used consistently throughout the report. So it is regarded. Jean Vanier and indeed Thomas Philippe, or Père Thomas, as people call him, uh, both of them were engaged. It seems that Thomas Philippe was the the initial, um, the initiator, and uh, roped or whatever Jean Vanier in. But anyway, um. Um, no, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't suggest that no harm was done or anything mm-hmm. remotely like that. Fully accept, whether it's exploitation or abuse, that the effect is the same in terms of on the, on the victims. And they were victims, and they were, unfortunately, you know, vulnerable people who were looking to, you know, a kind of a guru mm-hmm. or somebody who would inspire and, yes, them. Yes, and looking to help out and do good. No, I just, yes. I just felt that um, we tend to trust people because... We should. I mean, people we expect people to be trustworthy, but really, they're not. A lot of people are not, and I think the more charismatic they are, the more we need to look twice. Now, I had read John Vanier's writings way back in the probably mm. the mid seventies, and I knew knew of him very well. But that's all I just knew of him. Okay. And again, like that, it is just a letdown when you hear of somebody that you felt was impressive, just wasn't. So yeah. I can understand where Kieran is coming okay. from. I just didn't think he understood why the girls. Would left themselves open for this. Okay, I okay. hope you're clear now. And uh, Kieran, who 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 brought him to Ireland? How was it? because he well, was? I'll tell you, George Joe. The first time I met him was in UCD about 1975, mm-hmm. and that was the first time he came to Ireland, as far as I know. And it was Bishop Birch and Kilkenny mm-hmm. who had a special relationship with people who are who are, had intellectual disability. And don't forget. It's very easy to forget. Now we have wonderful acceptance and services and so on for people with, with learning disability. In the 60s and 70s, they were outcasts, mm. and people were ashamed of having somebody with disability. Oh they hid yeah, them yeah, away, yeah. and it was people like Bishop Birch, who himself had a brother who had Down syndrome, who brought the whole issue out into the open and realized these are not just you know, burdens. These are people who actually have a contribution to make, and we should recognize that. And that's why he was so inspired by Jean Vanier. And Jean Vanier, the first people he worked with and lived with, he did set up a center himself, and the people that he was living with initially were people who were had were in psychiatric in, hospitals, in discharged, yeah. were living on the street. Okay. I mean, it wasn't just disability. And at that time... Uh, people with intellectual disabilities were considered outcasts, okay. and, well, uh, and that's where that's has changed completely. Okay. Well, as I say, the report is nine hundred pages long. It's just been published, and um, it, it's it's quite nuanced in 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 places. But the overall uh, allegation of abuse by Jean Vanier and uh, Thomas Philippe are totally and completely upheld in the eyes of this uh, independent investigation, this independent commission. Uh, thanks indeed, Joe at RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. It was um, just over 100 days ago uh, when Creasle, that Friday afternoon, and that horrific explosion, um, 10 people were killed, as you know, and um, you would have seen in the last week, I think, because it's been getting a lot of advanced publicity, that T.G. Kahar is uh, showing a documentary tonight, uh, tomorrow night, I think it is, about the first responders on the scene. Now, we've been contacted by uh, Killian Flanagan. Killian, good afternoon. Good 
Hi, Joe. How are you? How are you doing? Um, Good. First of all, condolences, Killian, to you, Thank you. and your extended family. Your Thanks. sister uh, uh, was tragically bereaved. Would you just explain uh, your sister uh, and uh, her husband was killed and our beautiful people will see the image now. They can see the image uh, that, that dominated a lot of coverage of uh, the beautiful uh, young girl and uh, Shauna and uh, with her, I think it was close to her communion. Um, you, you contacted us, why, Killian? Yeah, so um, you, you said it there, Joe, that, that that's the October on your on your sent um Sean out with her dad to buy a mm-hmm. birthday cake. And uh, she didn't come home. And um the whole world I guess wrapped wrapped their arms around uh, uh Anya and the other the other victims' families and yeah. the, the funeral was attended by the the, the, pre- the president and the T shirt and the tonish and you know, mm-hmm. heads of state and the engines of the state and and, you know, offers of whatever was needed to, to get through all this were were given and and the community have been unbelievable and there's a guard investigation ongoing, yeah. as, as, as I believe it is. It's one of the largest ever held by the state. It's multi-agency. Um, mm-hmm. And Anya, and I can only speak for Anya, but Anya yeah. is certainly holding out for answers and looking for answers and trying to find out why, why what happened and, and, and why it happened. And the guards are taking their time to do all that um, for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And last Tuesday, it was sprung on, sprung on everybody that... Um, T.G. Cahar have gone off and made the documentary. What they've done is they've interviewed a number of people who were mm-hmm. first on the scene yeah. who would ever doubt our heroes and no one's questioning yes, that. Yes. These people are unbelievable. The community are unbelievable. But what we have now is a situation tomorrow night where Anya and others are being asked to look at a one-hour documentary revisiting the worst mm. chapter of their, of their existence um, and seeing things for the first time, hearing things for the first time. Um, and and it's not acceptable. And, and last Tuesday, as soon as we learned of this, yeah. we sent emails into TG Car. They, they sent an email response one week ago, and since then we have sought information of what's in it. Anya oh. hasn't slept a wink since last Tuesday. Oh, not a wink. God. She's devastated at the at, at the prospect of what she's going to see and hear tomorrow night. There's been no consultation whatsoever with the families. Uh, TG Car have gone off, and they gave some standard response in the email that as a public service broadcaster they have to represent the wishes of those who want to talk that's not how I would interpret public service broadcasting I'd have to say mm. um, their behaviour is more akin I think to uh, tabloids in the UK and the way that they treat victims' families no consultation no advance notice no we have an idea what's going to turn out and, and how say that Anya is living in dread of this is an understatement and how did Anya find out about the programme? Johnny Gold Daily which is an online publication yeah and because it got there a was a big concert last week Joe in yeah the, I saw that yeah, yeah. Gold, and all the families were consulted in advance and they were they gave their they gave their blessing in advance and um, none of this has happened in this instance okay and, say, say with us because I want to ask you after the break what, what, what the families are asking TG Card to do talk to Joe on 0818 715 Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Flanagan is on the line. He is the uh, 
brother of uh, Anya and Anya uh, in the Chrysler tragedy, as we know, back in October the 70th, just over, just over 100 days ago. Uh, Anya, there was 10 people died, but um, Anya lost her partner, Robert, and her daughter, uh, Shauna. Um, Killian, what would, what would Anya request at this stage? Yeah, so I'm only speaking on behalf of Anya here, Joe, yeah. and what we have asked for since last Tuesday is that this does not air before the guard investigation is complete. This should not be the first representation of what happened. When the guard investigation is complete and when answers are provided and when yeah. people can start to somehow process that, then maybe we can celebrate the work that was done by people. And there's no question that there are mm. unbelievable acts of, hero- of heroism here, and unbelievable. But to air that before the guard investigation is complete and to ask Anya and others to sit through and watch and revisit the worst chapter of their existence when they're trying to move forward, not back, to me is just beyond comprehension. I really don't understand why they would do that, why they would put the needs of sensationalism ahead of the needs of the victim's families. I just don't get it. It's, 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 it's been made and why can't it air in six months' time? T.G. Carter uh, have given us a long statement, but they say they make those points. It's the first responders. It was it's uh, shine a light and the people of the area who assist in the rescue and seeing the explosion to give them the recognition many feel they deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the victims' families surely should have more recognition and more compassion and more empathy than that at this point in time. And were the were the family, surely they filmed in the air? Maybe they didn't. Uh, were you, was were, were any insofar as you know? Well, like you can only speak for Anya. Was she aware that this program was being no. made? No. And I spoke to one or two people who did contribute to it. They weren't aware that it was airing so soon. Oh, they. In fact, one of them, one of the most prominent people who spoke on it, uh, wished he hadn't done it. And as far as I know, he has contacted contacted TG Car okay. in the last few days as well. And the guards have been at the TG car as well, the press office as well, as far as I understand. They say what, do you know, insofar as you well, understand? Well, to, to, to pass on the request of, 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 the, of certainly Onion's family that this is too traumatising three months in without any official responses or, or answers, this is too traumatising to put anybody through at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. And have you had any contact with the one family? No. The one family is enough, Killian. Uh, don't, don't, think any, don't think the weight of your points are anyway... Uh, diluted by the fact that there there are, there are ten families involved, but if one family uh, feels I haven't heard, then you, you probably haven't heard from other families. But that doesn't mean they agree. Either. No, I haven't, and I'm, yeah. I'm speaking on behalf of yeah, Anya and, and an uncle, and you know, and to listen as I yeah. said, letters from all over the country, and you you yourself, Joe, I read yeah. it recently. You you yourself wrote a personal letter to Anya at the time, yeah. you know, and that's the support that she felt was buying her up and keeping her going, and to have you know a trusted state brand like TG Carr do this, uh, you know, without any consultation is, is, is really, really disappointing. And, and as I said, traumatizing. Like, no one hasn't slept in a week. And it's really, really off. I'm, I'm here in Crystal at the moment myself for a few days in support. And it's, it's terrible to watch. It really is. God. Um, again, condolences, uh, Killian, and condolences to Anya and all the, the families of the other victims. I'm especially thinking as well of young Connor, the boy that was lifted to Dublin that night on the helicopter. I pray for his full recovery. Yes, of course, yeah, of course. And there's no question, as I said, yeah. these people were heroes. They should be celebrated, yeah, but at the right now. time, after the guard investigation. Not now. Okay. And answers have been given. You couldn't be clear. That's not anybody's asking for. Condolences, Killian. Thank you so Thanks, much. Joe. Thank you. Okay, Thank you're you. welcome. Thank you. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815.